Are you nervous about the new deck? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Welcome to episode 62 of the podcast, fam. We're recording with a new desk today. We're recording with the Roadcaster Pro. It's great to have you guys. Thanks for coming down. Um, It's uh, if you've been following our journey, there's been little technical mishaps along the way, as you get with any kind of technological thing that gym jocks are trying to learn about. Um, but this piece of kit so far seems awesome. It's our first time with it today, so you might uh, hear some little adjustments and whatnot going on. But that said, if you do like how we're recording this and you notice that it's different from previous weeks, let us know because it would be cool to get some feedback from y'all. A couple of things before we rip into today's episode. We have got our online classes. They're bustling along 30-plus classes a week. If you're looking for some guidance in your training and you want a community of legendary humans to belong to, you can join those classes and you can join our tribe. All you got to do is get in touch with us at junglebrothers.com or at Jungle Brothers Movement on Instagram. Flick us a DM. We'll get right back to you. And we've also got our online program that's happening too. So many options there. Training uh, is, is in a different place right now, but we've been adapting to serve people as best we can given the current situation. So if you do want help, please reach out. Um, today is episode 62 and we're talking with a good friend of ours and tribe member, Anna McDonald. Anna, welcome. Thank you. Uh, it, myself, Joe Worthington, T and Paul are also here. Hello. Howdy. The, uh, the topic today is going into the mental health piece around COVID and around the lockdown and sort of, you know, everything that's involved and, and how that could be affecting people throughout this time. And as a psychologist, um, I'll, and I'll let you introduce yourself in a moment, but uh, we've had a couple of questions come in from people um, that we're going to be throwing towards Anna towards the end of the, at the end of the show. Um, it's a very timely thing for us to be discussing Thank you for coming on the show. Pleasure. Um, could you start with, you've been on our, on our show before, mm-hmm. but uh, could you give a little uh, background on yourself and a bit of an intro, how you came to be where you are? Basically, I've worked as a psychologist for really many more years than I'd like to try and it might be for reflecting <laughs> my age. Um, I've worked in juvenile justice detention centres. I've worked in rural outback Australia. I've worked in... Um, I've deployed to Iraq because I've worked for military services. I've um, worked in pain management, so workers' compensation mostly in pain management spheres. And I've worked obviously privately as well. That's my current work is mostly working in a private capacity for military services and the general public. Right on. Yeah. How long were you in Iraq for? Three months. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, definitely a life-changing perspective. It was really, really interesting. I really like going in those spaces because you get to see, I think, the worst aspects of humanity, but also, I guess, how adaptive we can be and and just how people can really bond together and and work together and met some really amazing people over there. So so we we had kind of like a little MASH-style set up, uh, a a hospital there. So you had all these surgeons and specialists and ex-military because it was mostly privately contracted just banding together to help people and it was with very little resources so it was really really interesting Mm. who would you say that now you Mm -hmm. work you know you obviously have your clinic uh clinic or yes yeah Yeah. practice yeah um who what kind of people do you work with mostly mostly military at the moment but i do have private clients as well And, and so it really i get uh, because I work in Woolloomooloo, you get, I guess, some really high-profile clients. But I also do a, some a, a few bulk billing just to diversify my practice. And so I get people from the other side of the social 
socioeconomic spectrum as well that are, that are unemployed and um, yeah, so I try to keep it really diverse. The bulk, the bulk billing is like through Medicare. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. yeah. So they can't afford to to pay for psychological services. Yeah. Mm. So I have a few of them on my books as well, just to keep like keep it real. And, try and do my bit and yeah, yeah keep my my practice and and my learning pretty diverse. So nice. Mm. Give back to society. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that a bit of a for for doctors people in the medical field? Is that something that is that a, not an ethical thing, but something that you kind of because you, you're building a business and you're obviously mm. trying to, mm. you know, generate income and whatnot, but then you also want to help. Mm. Is is where you choose to go down those paths or somewhere in between? Is that something that all medical professionals have to sort of address or, or deal with? Oh, absolutely, and I think most of us are attracted to the profession because we like to help people. So I, you know, and there's I think there's a a, a misconception that. Doctors are really well paid, but I've seen a lot of general practitioners that work crazy hours and have huge responsibilities and really, I don't think, are earning Enough. No, no, not when they're bulk billing. And it also shortens, I guess, the amount of time they can spend with these people that they probably deserve. So it's definitely in need of an overhaul. And I think we can see definitely with COVID the impacts of that when our, our resources just can't cope with the demand. And hopefully that injects some more money into these services and we're certainly seeing that in the mental health space so they're opening it up so we can they've provided some extra bulk billing items um we, we could still not ideally you know the best rates but um particularly when you're running a practice in sydney the office rents are pretty pretty high but at least we're able to do that over skype and zoom and that increases accessibility and i always think that that's definitely a bonus in terms of helping people and addressing mental health when we expand those spaces. And I think that's definitely some of the benefits we've seen with COVID particularly. Is that um, that's a government funded funded practice or kind of thing? Like they're giving you giving your <coughs> your industry some money? Sorry guys. That's all right. <laughs> um, Could be a very definitely. important call. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and um, <coughs> and, so I, and I think it has shone some light on mental health services because we're seeing very vulnerable population groups. Well, yeah, that was going to be my next question. It would yeah. be uh, to preempt, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, an, an influx in in uh, people wanting to, to utilise your services. Mm. Uh, what, what are the... Being what, very busy. What, is, what are those um, for, forecasts looking like and, and why? It's been a, a pretty difficult space to predict, I think, because we haven't... We, I mean, there was the Spanish flu in 1918 and that led into a recession in the 20s and 30s but we're, we're living in a very different space and, and, and time at the moment so it's a little bit difficult to predict uh, I think they're estimating there's going to be an extra 700 million spent on psychiatric medications you can keep Holy conspiracy mold. theories but, um, <laughs> it's it's definitely they're predicting a huge surge in, in mental health disorders the in rates of suicide domestic violence rates uh, are increasing Right. So the statistics have been, I think, pretty alarming. But I was, it's been hard to, I think, gather any accurate data specific to Australia because I, I do feel we're a little bit more fortunate here in comparison to some other countries where there's some really vulnerable population groups in those countries that, that I feel just don't have the services or the, or the space to maybe, which we... You know, um, some people are really utilising this downtime, if you like, or, you know, there's less distraction for them to really 
I think, advance different careers or, mm. you know, spend time with family and they're really using it positively. I'm not sure it's always that possible in other yes. countries. So we've got job seeker and, and whilst that might not be mm. enough for a lot of people, there are definitely... There's a lot of help. Still yeah. food on the, on the table yeah, and a roof yeah. over your head. Yeah, and the, the loss and, and death isn't as, <coughs> I guess, as glaring as it has been in other countries as well. Mm. But I guess yeah. that didn't change the fact that people were still moving into a really... Um, I mean, the, the first two weeks of lockdown, there was, uh, like, a, a different energy that mm. it was... Uh, and it was, a, like, a, a collective energy that we, you walk into a shop or you're talking to mm. people or even friends, family. Uh, they felt like... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't just my imagination that there was this feeling of uncertainty and mm. with that, some mm. form of anxiety. Mm. Um, kind and of like this 1984 George yeah, Orwell feel. Like it's, yeah, and we've, I guess primarily our brains are designed to help us survive. And so if we sense changes in our environment, even if we can logically override that with, with telling ourselves, you know, everything's okay, it's picking up on all these environmental cues constantly that people, people are avoiding us or, you know, now I can't. Sometimes I'd miss the news and I'd come out and I'd, I'd missed, you know, um, the cue that we, we can only have one person in the cafe at a time or, mm -hmm. and everyone's staring at me and <laughs> <laughs> glaring at me and I'm like, what She's infected. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we pick up on all of that and it gives, it, there's, there's an edge to that. We're very sensitive to other human beings and, and their emotional energy. We pick up on different body cues and a lot of that's that's subconscious so a lot of people were presenting with anxiety particularly if they already had obsessive compulsive disorders and already had health related anxiety or they had amplified yeah, in a situation like social that, anxiety so or post-traumatic stress disorder yeah all of that was was intensified but i think everybody felt that to a degree it's yeah. a little bit contagious isn't it hugely sometimes you kind of have to check check yourself and go fuck why am I feeling like this? Shoulders up near ears and then you're yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah. Because I just had a conversation with so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel it with certain, like you would, I mean, there's people you know in your friend group or, you know, um, maybe, you know, members of the gym and stuff. Some people you talk to and you'd come away feeling like really positive and fine. And then some people you talk to and you'd come away feeling really down. And mm. they were, you know, sometimes the people that just had that different outlook who were like, oh man, it's fucked. Like, especially the people I know who are conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Every time I spoke to them, I felt like shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and then, you know, and you can even feel that you look at stuff on Instagram and you're like, oh, you know, like there's, we were, we were so fortunate here for the, largely for Australians mm. that we weren't that badly affected or we haven't been that badly affected. And I say largely because I know some, some individuals have been. Yeah, of course. But, you know, you could... There were some really good things to come out of this this new sort of landscape that we're in. But then you could look at shit that was just, like, making you feel super down. So, I fe like, even for me, where I typically don't ever really think about, like, my mental health never really comes into conscious consideration, um, I did find that some things alerted me to that, that I was like, oh, I'm not feeling good by, by reading this or looking at this person that I usually follow or having that type of conversation. Mm. Was there, is there something in this time um, where, you know, like you were saying that it's amplified for people who have sort of pre-existing conditions, potentially. Mm. 
But is there something where people who are generally what you consider mentally healthy or a lack of, of um, I don't really know how to put it, you tell me, but were you finding that there were people who were uncovering things that they didn't know they were dealing with? I think it mostly amplified in terms of the, you know, I, I was saying to T previously, it's, it's a bit hard because I, I was looking for more statistical evidence on what's happening. I'm not finding there's a lot of credible data out there at the moment because it's still all being gathered. And I think a lot it's of it's... It's new, isn't it? It's, it's so influenced by cultural factors and, and I'm not getting enough of the, the, the real social scientists behind it. it it's largely media. And I, I really, you've really got to be quite careful when you're looking at those sources, obviously. Without me looking at the original source as a professional, it's not very responsible of me to use that. Mm. Um, I guess I do feel when, we've, when you were talking about people maybe you noticed in the gym, you were seeing some of that coming out for people. I do feel that it's, it's a time where a lot of people would maybe feel a bit more anxious or down or it's a time ref for reflection. It might have brought up prior traumas for them. Um, but I do believe people are, are largely adaptive and, I, and what I've, I think people start to adjust. So initially, I think people need to be really kind to themselves when there's, there's these huge changes in, in their lives that we do take a bit. It unsettles us and that usually activates different protective parts of us which or, or different mm. emotions for us and we just need to be kind of kind and reflective as to what's going on there and maybe journal or meditate a bit more or and that's the advantage of this time is we've we've got a lot of time to be introspective rather than just trying to drown it with netflix or alcohol or <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know plunge into those sorts of get completely overwhelmed with it because it's, it's really a good time to do that when we don't have the, the other distractions of life. Or, you know, of course, people are going to be completely devastated if they've lost their jobs. That's, that's a huge shift. That's a huge change. It's, it's frightening. And, and it's okay to feel like that. But is this a time for growth in terms of, well, can, can we look at different career options? I'm seeing a lot of people do that. It's really, really good. Or they've, I think, T, you were mentioning before, it's been a, a place for your business to take take some time on those things you always put in the back seat. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just saying to Anna that because um, she was asking how we're going and I had a chance to reflect a little bit and I just thought about what I'm doing right now and I'm getting a lot of the stuff that I've been wanting to do done mm. Mm. Um, within the business and I'm really busy doing it um, and I've got less distractions now and it, and it seems strange that mm. it's taken... Um, a, a global pandemic <laughs> for me to be focusing on the areas of my business that I enjoy the most. It is silly, like when you think about it. It's like, okay, well, mm. why is that such a small portion of what we do on a daily on a daily basis? But I was also saying, but it's it's not like that for for every other gym out there. Um, we've diversified and we've we've moved quickly, and we're adaptive, and 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 because of that. Uh, it's allowed us to get back into routine very quickly and, and keep progressing and moving forward in d different areas of our business. But um, going back to what you're saying, I think that's a choice and you can either sit there and kind of like bury your head a bit mm. and, and, you know, go into a, a bad headspace and mm. maybe use a bit of booze and, and lots of Netflix and um, 
come out the other end worse for it or you could be utilising this time uh, in a positive manner to be thinking about how you can diversify if you don't have a, a job and what, what it is that mm. you really want to do and start moving forward in those areas. And the process of that of taking action, mm. uh, I believe for myself, is really positive for, for mental health. Absolutely. If you can... I, I, people are often a little bit too reliant on external pressures to motivate them um, or create routine in their lives. And it's a really good time to, I guess, challenge some of those emotions that you're experiencing. You know, once you spend... A, always being kind to yourself because we're, we're often not. So the anxiety and the, 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 the feeling down and the low motivation is all really normal. But if you can just be kind to self and go, well, well how do I work with this? Or, or what does this suggest about myself? Or do I need to see a psychologist to maybe look at some of these these feelings that are arising for me? Now I've got some time to actually sit and process them. Or now I've got the whole day, how do I create a structure around this to really create, get some productivity in and, and, mm. and use it to my advantage? Like you, you've talked about doing. Yeah. It's really, really quite a lot. And routine and consistency... There's, there's routine is such a big one, isn't it? Well, like that topic as a topic. I guess if we look at the hypervigilance I was describing before, when our brain's picking up on all these environmental changes, and then that that makes what does hypervigilance mean? Hypervigilance is like vigilance is just the way we scan our environment. So our brain learns to filter out a lot of our everyday stuff. So it 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 starts to normalise to things that we see every day and, and, and go, okay, that's not threatening, that's not important. But when things shift and change, it picks up on it and it's and it's trying to process it all the time. So there's lots of things that we're probably processing that we don't, we go, we, we learn to discard, but the brain spends that little bit of extra time working out whether it's important or not. So your commute to work becomes habitual and routine and it becomes easy. But if you change that, it, it just has a little bit more energy to it. There's a little bit more thinking with it. So when there's all these changes around us, like how do we line up at a cafe? Are we allowed to touch people? Can we, you know, and that's shifting every day. Or we sense the energy of people around us is shifting every day. Our brain's doing a lot more processing. So that's why it's in, and it becomes a little bit hypervigilant. And, and this, do you feel like this has, what kind, uh, I'm guessing depending on the individual, it has a different different kind of a, a effect on on, on, an, on someone. Is it, would you say that that can be a bit overwhelming at at times, I think, irrespective of even for for Joey who who says he has a fairly neutral, yeah, <laughs> it it would have still created maybe it wasn't particularly perceptible, but it would have still created an extra degree of of, of stress in his brain and body. No, but should it? No, totally. Yeah, yeah, but but you you probably adjusted a, a little more quickly or. Or were yeah 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 and I I mean t tell me this like relevant to that sort of that whole piece that you just mentioned um, I had a conversation with someone who trains in our gym who is the kind of person that doesn't really like being in groups of people and they're very mm. they're very open about that that they that the gym for them is um, the group training thing is an ongoing challenge that they enjoy. Which is great. Putting it's, themselves through it, right? great they're doing that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but they're very open in being like, yeah, I don't really like being around people that much. And so I was talking to this person and uh, it was probably two weeks in and um, I was like, oh, how are you handling everything, you know? Like online classes, not coming in. And the person said, it's awesome. 
Like, yeah. I, I don't like being around people anyway, so it's <laughs> perfect for me. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you, you know, you're obviously, whatever the setup is in your brain, you're geared towards this kind of landscape. Like, somehow this is, this is better suited to you. And maybe not, right? Maybe if it went on for a long time, then that would cause them, maybe it could become a negative. But do you find that there are people who are kind of better suited to different circumstances than others? That's the majority of the people I'm working with. They're loving it. Right. <laughs> just, just it. And they're, they're like, I don't have even all the tasks I set for them to do. They're like, I don't have to do them. And I'm like, I'm going to find something else for you. I'm just not sure what yet. Because <laughs> you're getting them to go out and be yeah, social and groups. Yeah, all the time. Because it is, it is something we need. Where we've, we've evolved to be in groups. We've evolved to be social. It's, it's, part, of, it's part of our physiology. So, so then w- what would happen on a, like a medium to long term sort of view to that person if they weren't delving into those challenges so say you know say the lockdown they'd thing continued for a long period what would be the what could be a potential outcome? they'd they'd likely become increasingly isolated and social contact or social interaction would become increasingly difficult for them to do so they they would they would get really strong panic attacks or flashbacks or depending on what i'm actually working with yeah and that's obviously very, very unhealthy and that's obviously something I'm quite worried about for, for a lot of the people I've been working with. It's, or um, their obsessive compulsive behaviours have, have now increased and it's somewhat difficult for me to say, no, you shouldn't be washing your hands so many times a day mm. when that's the instruction from our government. So yep. um, it's been a really tricky space psychologically working around all of that. That's probably going to get even trickier coming out of COVID as well, I'm guessing. Yeah, because, um, yeah. As, as this thing simmers, as it simmers away in the background, um, they're going to get re, um, re-exposed to the way that mm. we live and the necessities in life are always involve some form of social interaction. And you'd think that at that point, if you're out of practice a little bit, it's like coming back to the gym, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's going to be fucking harder Grap- if you haven't been gra- doing any training for over the that first time. time or yeah, get yeah. hurt. Absolutely, it's it's going to be really tricky for them to to transition to that. Uh, um, I'm hoping because I've taken them through it before, it's going to be a bit. They'll have the skills, so it's a little bit easier. Or they're at least familiar with those feelings, so they can work through it a bit more effectively. So but I'm I'm quite I'm quite worried about that how it's yeah. going to work out. And mm. I guess that would be on a on a. Um, on a global level, really, when you think of about course. it. Of yeah. course. Yeah, that's, that's certainly something that isn't specific to Australia. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like, given the severity of some of the lockdowns, it will be worse. Yeah. Bec- uh, um, overseas. Overseas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we've had, we've had some social interaction. It hasn't been too severe. I mean, just even these interactions. You know, there's four of us sitting in a room. It's, We're yeah. w- 1.5 metres apart, by the way, everyone. That's right. Yeah. We've yeah. got yeah. glass. <laughs> Barriers between <laughs> us two, but yeah, it's true. We've we've had a very easy run for the most part in Australia, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. Well, Italy were like stuck in their homes for, mm. for two months, or something couldn't leave your house, mm. something like that. Oh man, brutal. Mm. And for a, for a culture that that that's, that would be another another um, uh, mm. it's, it's something to consider. Different cultures have different levels of interaction. Like mm. if you go to Western European mm. cultures, are not as um, cuddly and touchy as a, as a, like a Latin cultures and Italy's mm. very family and friend orientated, mm. very social and to cut that off is going to have mm. some kind of 
um, social in, uh, implications, you know, on health. Oh, I'd imagine from a mental health perspective, they'd be feeling incredibly lonely and disconnected. Mm. And I was, loneliness can have the same physical impact as 15 cigarettes a day. Really? Yeah. So it cuts life expectancy by about 30%. Holy shit. Yeah, that's the long-term impacts. So it, I'm not sure what that means when this is a, a short-term period of isolation, but I, I mean, it, depending on how long this is extended for, it's, it's hard to say, but we torture people with social isolation. So yeah. And certainly even in prison systems, we wouldn't like to hit people in social isolation for what, two months? That's like some, punishment, isn't it? It's true. You, you only a day. You put them in the hole two. for a week. Yeah, in the detention centres, there's really strict rules around it and they might be one or two days and I'd see people deteriorate considerably. They go in lucid and coherent and sometimes come out psychotic. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm. Damn. It, it would trigger psych, psych, psychosis. So... Oh, I wanted to ask before, you mentioned that um, the there's different, you know... Different, like obviously different cultures, different countries, mm. but also people of different socioeconomic status will, um, some people will be more vulnerable in these times. Mm. Um, is there a correlation between affluence and handling this better from a psychological perspective or not necessarily? I feel with affluence, you have greater access to resources so whilst people who are affluent are certainly not um, invulnerable to mental health difficulties, they usually have better access to resources to help them. To the, to the mm. good, good stuff. Mm. Yeah. You get hold of the good drugs. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pharmaceutical grade. It's true. Education is, it helps as well. You know, it's, it's being able to access information and resources and... It, that's that's shown to have an influence and have a have a holiday yeah. you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely. go to a tropical island or or go to a rehab whereas mm. you know if you're a mother of three and you've got no job mm. that ain't gonna happen and, you know? and domestic Precious violence you, you've you're vulnerable to financial abuse and there's certainly people i'm working with right now that are in that position where they've lost their jobs and don't feel they can leave their relationships mm. because of their financial imposition or or different <laughs> You know, they're moving in with in-laws or, or family members that are, have essentially not been emotionally healthy because they've, they've lost their jobs. That's tough. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the stats for, for domestic violence generally, like when you're moving into a recession, start to, start to go up and also uh, suicide rates as well. Mm-hmm. Is that something? Did that ha- has that happened in the past when 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 we're dealing with the, like um, you talked about coming out of the Spanish influenza and then there's been a couple other crashes. So there was what was that the 2000 and when was our um, big global financial crisis? 2008 was it? Mm. Went in a heavy recession over that time. Certainly, was, being below the poverty line has yeah. impacts on mental health. And I guess that's in suicide. That, 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 that kind of goes without saying. That and space gets bigger. We can't look after our basic needs and, and physical health. It certainly has a flow on effect. So, mm. coming into, so now that people have found a routine, um, we've, we're looking at these different, different kind of, um, this change of, of, of atmosphere 
um, knowing that these transitions can have an effect on, on our uh, level of mental health, what, um, what could we be doing now to help prep us for moving into another transition and coming back into, into the world that, well, I guess we don't even really know what we're going into. I mean, it's going to be similar mm. to what we came, where we came from, but environment's going to be slightly different. I mean, people are going to have less jobs. There's going to be, uh, you know, still going to be some, some element of lockdown, mm. um, but there's going to be this reinteraction of, like, uh, jobs, uh, uh, some businesses opening and people using public transport and all the rest of it. What can we be doing now to just prime ourselves and make sure we keep a nice level head moving back into um, uh, backing out of lockdown? I guess there's like a it's it's really different when I'm working with people according to their individual needs and, and what I guess arises for them because people react so differently to different situations. But as a basic um, some, the basics I kind of cover with anyone when they come in is just to, to ensure they've got good social supports. So to reach out more regularly to people that are healthy for them. Maybe, so friends, family? Yeah, maybe yeah. restrict others that aren't so healthy. And even if that's just... Um, if, if you don't feel you've got a lot of good social supports, just even uh, acquaintances and, and socialising more in general can be really helpful for mental health, even for those people that we discussed. <laughs> and, and I think the, the member you're speaking about, whilst he finds it challenging, he's also aware that that's, that's important for his mental health or he wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's kind of like we, we, love eating, we love eating ice cream all day, but we know intuitively that that's not going to be good for us. You yeah. know? <laughs> mm. it's, it's a similar sort of mentality. He's obviously addressed uh, looking after nutrition, introducing as much stability to the body as possible because the more stability and routine and consistency we, consistency we have, the more the brain starts to feel a bit safer. Because you remember when I spoke about before all the changes it, it's, it perceives in its environment, it starts to feel like it. This, because it's new, it could potentially be threatening. So it's going to be a bit on edge until it normalises or learns it's, that it's safe. So whenever there's a lot of change in your life, if you can create as much consistency and stability and routine as possible... That, that helps normalise the brain a little bit or, or it just creates some, some stability for it. Mm. So you, um, can apply that to, you can apply that to your social life, training, your, yep. your business. Physi physical exercise. Travel yep. as well yep. um, is important. Absolutely. I think we've done that with the gym, to, to be honest. Like our move to, to being online was, was also a subconscious way of returning back to to a, um, a routine that we were all very familiar with. Mm. And us as coaches, our coaches, training at the same times, mm. running the, the same classes, mm. um, even though they're talking to a camera, mm. to try and bring back as much of mm. the original routine as we possibly could with, with, with the tools that we had. Mm. Um, I think it's had a really positive effect on, on not, not even like looking outside of our membership base, but just... Um, our business and, and, the, and the people that work in that business as a whole. It's been mm -hmm. fun, great for us, you know. Mm. I mean, I could, like, if I was to picture us not doing that, what it would look like for us now, um, there'd be a lot, of, a lot of, of moving into a more of an isolated space. I think the coaches would be doing, doing their, their own, own thing, thing in the park yeah. and spend, staying up later and um, we'd have less in contact and, you know, the, the, the talks and the, and the calls and the interaction would 
would start to drift and then, you know, what do you fucking got when the doors reopen? I wouldn't um, have liked that. Oh, it would have been fucking horrible yeah, for headspace. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm a very yeah. social type of person. And yeah, this obviously this mm. workplace is very much part of my every day and my life and everything. And it was a disruption as it was, you know, initially and then the first two weeks and when we made the move to come all back. It definitely worked for us as staff members and me as an individual as well as for everyone else. Mm. But bringing that familiarity back, for yeah. sure. And I guess the important thing there is that you didn't, it initially you have that emotional response to your your way of living and, and yes and not just socially but financially yes, being yeah, completely yeah. you know they, they really put a no gyms allowed out there but it's like well how do we how do we go about this differently so mm. I want to create that routine and consistency mm. in my life and these are all the things that are missing so how do I think outside the square a bit mm. to try mm. and get that happening yep. for me and that's that's what's important, I think, just to, to look at it a little bit differently and see how you can bring all those things back into your life. I wanted to ask you um, about routine. You mentioned it before and just going back maybe 10 minutes and you said something, can't quite remember, but it was about, um, uh, you know, using routine or setting, uh, like, just, just to kickstart something. Like, mm. say, I know for myself, um, I was there and I wasn't doing... A great deal for the first two weeks i wasn't training mm. and i i found that with a little bit of reflection and analysis is that i needed to build that routine and mm. for me to do it i had to make appointments on certain days to get me going yeah um and i thought you said something about like uh you know that not necessarily being the best way to do that um yeah did you mention like a, a bit of reflection and analysis of what makes you why you can't get going without uh, you said external external something right yeah normally we, re we rely on external pressures so maybe that's yeah, external because pressures so because i felt like I we, we we get to work at 9 a.m because we have to yes yeah, yeah. so i and would we, identify we, as someone who needs to do that well that's what i kind of came to realize over this period yeah, but then you created that pressure internally okay yeah well, you, you said you were doing appointments for yourself yeah like i was yeah. just like oh shit, i need to get going i know that i can get up for for other people if I can't kind of get up for myself type thing. Exactly. So I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to start putting things on the calendar and seeing those obligations and agreeing to that. Yeah, but you're creating a commitment internally rather than relying on, say, work to make sure you're I there see. at 9am. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. what's, I think, really valuable about that is knowing that you don't need external pressures to do that. Okay, so and an external when pressure. When it's internally yeah. driven, there's, there's, huge, there's a huge amount of research that shows that when we... Uh, related to internal locus of control and external locus of control. Yeah. So when we locus, feel locus, which is that mean? Oh, I think that psychology just likes to use these words. It's just like point. Okay. So if we yeah. have like if we believe control is internally driven as opposed to externally driven, we f we feel a lot better. We feel less anxious. We feel less depressed. It's um, empowering, I guess. In yeah. A way, yeah. So when and and that maybe you're maybe you have more of an internal locus of control joey if you feel like you you're less perturbed by things you know you so if some a situation like this comes along it's not okay that you know because of covid and and whilst covid does certainly um mean that you you can't run a gym the way you used to it doesn't mean you can't you can't you can't you can't be employed because mm. i'll find a way to work around it Whereas someone might just go, okay, well, um, they've, they've said I can't operate. I can't operate. And there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. 
that's a that's an external locus of control as opposed to an internal locus of control. Yeah, okay. Well, that internal internal locus of control, you also need a lot of like you need the self discipline that comes with that too, though, because it's a, it's like a conscious decision that you're making. And well, self discipline is actually a, a belief set, right? Right. Yeah. So. Tell me more about that. Mm. Um, I think it's it's a belief set that you can do things that you, you have. So there's there's a lot around the concept of self efficacy. And again, that's when we're what working. What does efficacy mean? Sorry, it's really <laughs> um, big word. Effectiveness. I'm feeling a lot of yeah. anxious pressure. It's, <laughs> yeah. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Too many changes in my environment. <laughs> I guess it's just a way. It's your belief in your capacity to do things. Right. Efficacy mm. is your effectiveness, is it not? Yeah. 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 So I I have belief in my capacity to learn things or to adapt or or change things it's that's the construct that we measure in it uh, particularly for pain management it was really important right in terms of their mm. their ability that was shown to be more important than the severity of their, their injury okay mm. yeah right so almost their their outlook on on the absolutely. situation absolutely was, yeah okay can you train that? Yes. I, I feel like I'm doing that with my kids at the moment. <laughs> Good. Every time they trip over and go, I'm like, wait, a scratch. <laughs> Snap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the kind of approach you need to take? Or would you be? <laughs> I, I, I think I like to be kind and say, like, I, I get that you just want to lie down on the floor and, and cry and, and get attention for that. That's kind of normal. Yeah. But I've, you know, I've seen you do this before. Yeah, I've seen right. you get up and just move on, and uh-huh. you know. How could you not get up to that? You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you're you're improving there. What you're about my wife's technique? What? Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> oh, go get the ice pack and a band aid. <laughs> <laughs> we were. Well, we were she puts band aids on stuff that's not even it doesn't even exist. Feels better. Well, though. at least your children <laughs> feel better. incredibly. I'm, all, I'm there. Dude, I'm we were, all there. We were down at the little a little beach near our place the other day, like a little just a bit of sand at the bay, <laughs> and um, it was Misa and I and Hattie, and we we're, were playing around, and the dog we're playing around the sand, and then these um, three. Three young boys came down to fish from the rocks and um, they're all like, I don't know how old they would have been, maybe like 12, you know, so they're like like little young men. Yeah. And um, anyway, they're doing their thing and we had like a little exchange. I was like, oh, what are you catching? The guy's like, oh, flathead, you know, cool. And um, anyway, one of the boys slipped on the rock and it's not like hectic rocks, but he, he slipped over and fell on his bum and was okay. <laughs> and, I, and obviously we all turned and saw because you, you could hear him sort of fall. And, um, and Misa's automatic response was, oh, are you okay? <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, of course he's okay. <laughs> I was like, don't draw attention to him. He doesn't want that. <laughs> Especially in front of your friends at 12. Right? And then an older dude, you're just like, I'm fucking fine, you know? Like, <laughs> um, but Paul, Paul had a story to share. No, no, I was just... <laughs> I know you got him. I was just <laughs> nodding in agreement. There might be some parallels there between our wives. But, yeah, my, my, my kids do come running and asking for a Band-Aid and I get them to show me, reveal the, the blood and it's just like a scratch. And they've come to that point. I'm like, 
get out of here. You don't need it. You don't need, <laughs> it's not bleeding. You know? um, but yeah, uh, we have different responses and I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, you've got your wife potentially on one end of the spectrum and I'm on the other and somehow we meet together in the middle mm. and do the parenting thing. Mm. I've used a different technique the over Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was giving awards for the, the, the most injured and we had like a rank, rank, <laughs> ranking system. Oh God. So they'd come up to me, they'd be like, oh, I'm going to scratch. And I'd be like, oh, you've just moved from like cadet to, to ensign. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, it got to the point where my, my nephews were yeah, trying, to, <laughs> trying to hurt themselves so they could no. get bigger ranks. And I was like, okay, hey, we've got to stop this. Yeah. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Shouldn't put this on the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back, right. back to your, your point about the, um, the discipline thing and uh, internal locus, all those sorts of things. I mean, there's, I guess that's a multifaceted sort of thing, isn't it? Because something that, that we see with, with people and it's often, it's, an, it's, it's someone's ability to adapt to change and we see it uh, with people in the gym, but we also see it with people in business, um, which, you know, you can see it everywhere, but it's just where we end up discussing it together. But it's... Um, people who have the, the, the time and energy almost to take on that challenge. So they're like, fuck, this is going to be really hard. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. they, want, they, start, they want to start training. They're like, this is going to be really hard. This journey is going to be challenging for me. It's going to cost me you know, energy, but I want to take the challenge on. And then you get some people who potentially have all the same other attributes, but they're like, no, nah, I can't be fucked. I don't want to do that. You know, so like someone maybe who owns a gym like ours, but they've owned it for 20 years and they come up to the, the same hurdle that we came up to with the lockdown thing and they're like, I can't be fucked going through this process of trying to find a new way to deliver class. I'm just going to close the doors and, sh- and I'll reopen once things normalise. Whereas for us, we're, we're, we're still very motivated to make things work. Because oh, I was going to say that depends on motivation, isn't it? Because they, they're obviously not that financially motivated. I don't know how many... That many people can afford to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a good point. But I do. So if they want to take a, a time off and just have a bit of a break, and you know, I'd use they that pay time. Pay the price. Yeah, but they obviously can afford to. I'm assuming. Maybe or maybe it's time to call it quits. Yeah, maybe I think not. We've right, they're just like for a lot of businesses coming out of this. Well, yeah. well, that's potentially positive too because if they really don't have the motivation or enthusiasm behind what they're doing, maybe it's time good to find t- something new. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of the fitness industry. <laughs> 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 Leave it to the young lions. Well, that's not me. That's you guys. <laughs> I'm an old lion. <laughs> I'm a cub. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, um, you were talking before about uh, making space for introspection and mm. that, that's, you know, been something that we've pe- people may have found themselves with time to do that. Mm. What, are, what are ways that people can, can do that? And what do you actually mean by that? I think a lot of the time um, our concepts around managing our emotions is just to suppress them. That's... That seems to be a general feel, like, oh, I just, you know, just do like something. Don't be angry. Yeah, yeah, when we can't selectively numb our emotions. So sometimes it's a good time to actually sit if you've got increased anger or anxiety or depression and actually maybe sit and journal or meditate or um, get some psychological assistance through what you're going through and see what that's about and, and actually take the time to sit with how you're feeling and what's coming up for you. 
journaling is really helpful, meditation is really helpful. I think a lot of creative exercises, just, you know, maybe playing music, you know, really taking advantage of that time to be quiet and be with self and how you're feeling and thinking. Whereas I, I know there's a real increase in Netflix and, and alcohol consumption. And I think that's a real pity when it's, you know, we've, we've gotten rid of a lot of pressures, well, some people have, with yeah, work and travel and... Um, yeah, but have you seen season three of Ozark? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Tiger King. Look, I'm not Last Dance. <laughs> Tiger King. I'm not saying there's, there's anything wrong with doing a bit of that occasionally and, and vegging out and, you, and you, d- you shouldn't be critical of yourself if you take time to do that Binging. occasionally. But it's not, but it's not hiding from that, 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 the ability to, to if reflect. You, if you're doing that because you're feeling bored or unmotivated or down or anxious, that's when I feel it as a distraction from what you're feeling. I feel that's an unhealthy way of processing it. But a lot of people, mm. a lot of people um, are finding routine, like different routine, like healthy routine now. Yeah. As well, I've noticed. Yeah. Just going down to the part we're talking about this on a on a previous podcast mm. and seeing how many parents are actually playing with their kids instead of just standing at the side of the park looking at their phone, mm. or you know, on the phone doing work or not being mm. there at all. And I'm mm. watching like dads on roller skates and skateboards and shit and. Um, Dad's on roller skates. I saw oh, dad. I saw dad on, <laughs> on uh, roller blades. Sorry, roller blades. Right on. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been like it looks like uh, people are, uh, are connecting again. No, like families and you mm. know, mostly families because obviously you're in the same house with each other. And I, you know, if you're homeschooling, you need to get the hell out. You can't stay in there. So you're actually going out and spending mm. physical time with your kids, and mm. you know, maybe you dad or your, you know, your, your loved one or whatever. Like there's a lot of, even though that there's a lot of, you know, you'd think that loneliness would be increasing now because if you're single and you're at home by yourself, you've got a little less uh, interaction with the people around you, especially when the lockdown was really strict. Mm. But if you're in a house with people, um, especially family, then, and you've got more time on your hands, you're mm. actually connecting a little bit more. I'm finding that I am anyway with my kids. Mm. especially with my son. I didn't realise that I'd been so busy at work, even when I get mm. home, my, my head's still at work, mm. that I'd hit actually started pulling away from me a little bit mm. um, and just spending all his time with my wife, uh, even when I'm in the house with him. And I didn't realise that this was actually happening until we went into COVID and I had to spend more time at home with him. And then because I had a, a bit of extra time on my hands I was reaching out to him and he wasn't kind of coming to me like he was you know six months earlier to when we had oh, January and February the biggest busiest couple of months we've ever had and I started to realize okay well six months in a five four-year-old's life is huge. a fucking like that's, that's a huge amount of time that's like the equivalent of 10 years of my life you know what I mean mm. where I've been distant so in, 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 um, when I'm looking at a perspective thing, um, so I had work to, to do there and I actually saw this happening um, all through Maroubra with parents going out surfing with their kids, skateboarding and, you know, just spending time in the national park and that kind of stuff. So it looked like there was a lot of positive stuff coming out the back end and, and people starting to exercise more, which is also very healthy as well, you know. So 
I know. What do you, you, you your I'm certainly on seeing that? that with all my clients is that they they increase family time. Whilst I'm sure there's some that are finding that really difficult being around their family a lot more, mm. as with uh, domestic violence statistics are showing. But for the most part, it's definitely been a positive, and that the relationships with children are, are usually improving because they're just spending more time with them, even if that's working from home, so they have lunch with the, their children. Yeah. And it's so I hope that that's. That's certainly, I guess, a practice that I'm trying to get the people I'm working with to, to continue, even if that means they can push for working from home one day a week or, you know, have a bit more flexibility in their time. And that's, I think, something that's hopefully positive with COVID is that it's... You think people will do that? You think we'll come out the other end I with all these so. new habits saying, <laughs> oh, you know what, I'm going to give I myself so. two days off and... I'm going to have lunch at home with my kids. Fuck no. I'm not, com- <laughs> I'm not coming in on Tuesdays, Thursdays ever again. <laughs> you wait. He'll be back on Tuesdays. <laughs> like two weeks. Oh, what are you guys up to today? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I sound like. Oh, I'll come in. It's just better when we see each other first. <laughs> I say that. I, I, I've been... I mean, I've shared this on previous episodes, but I, I have... I'm a little bit kind of, I don't know what the word is, I feel a little bit disappointed already because I feel like we're just going to snap back to what, what it was. And I don't think this situation that we've gone through, and that's you know still, still playing out, but I don't think it's going to have any lasting effect on the human psyche or all these things that, that people have been projecting, like COVID, this changes everything. I'm like, it's not going to change anything. That's kind of my, my pessimistic views on it. Do you feel otherwise? I guess that's a wait and see. I mean, old habits do die hard. We do tend to snap back into them and that's something to be aware of as well. That when we, For people I'm working with, a lot of their protective behaviours, even though we've worked extensively on them, if they let things go for a bit, particularly in periods of change, they'll, they'll start to adapt those old protective behaviours often, which is basically a fancy way of saying bad habits. Right. Staying at work all fucking day and night. Yeah, yeah. At the so work, it's, it's been great for them because they might have really have difficulty with being assertive and they have really a lot of anxiety about really kind of unrelenting standards for self. And so they, they get to work and they can't help but relent to the pressure of this needs to be perfect, it needs to be done. And then they're there till 8 p.m. at night and if they've and, and might be enjoying being at home I, with their kids. I can relate to that. Yeah. I feel so like I'm a bit of perfectionist myself. Yeah, and it's, it's again, <laughs> becoming victim to those external pressures, I guess, we, we were speaking about a bit before. So yep. I hope if we can, if we, it's more maybe if businesses can see that people are still being really productive and they're happier and healthier from home, that they can maybe be a bit more flexible and people can actually force... Those, those, that structure in their life. Yeah. So if they can just force themselves to spend Friday at home, and that means they can walk the kids to school and 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 pick them up, and and maybe make a routine of doing something nice on the Friday afternoon. It, it for the most part, it, it's not going to stay the same. It's just, mm. it's not. It's but if they can use a little from this experience and create a bit of structure, so they're less susceptible to those external pressures. I think it, one it thing it that will change, will change will be business for sure. I hope so. I was speaking to one of our members that works in council mm. and they're flat out because, you know, obviously they've got to implement all these different changes all over the fucking um, state. She was saying that they're never going to go back. 
She's doing all of her meetings on Zoom and everybody is like, this is way more productive. Mm. Uh, I don't have to be traveling halfway across mm. town to get from meeting to meeting to meeting. Mm. The meetings are instant and shit's getting done, actually getting done more efficiently. Mm. And the technology's there as well, you know? So yeah, it was interesting. I haven't chat with her about it. But what do they do then? Do they, you know, do they downgrade the size of the offices that they got 10 year yeah. leases on? Like, hey, I, I feel like we'll cheaper. be, but in a way, like the, the infrastructure that we've built around the way we operate will kind of suck us back into, mm. you know, like say you're a big company, say you're, I don't know, Combank and you've got a massive building in the city, you know, which they do and, you know, fucking 10,000 employees. And that, you know, like uh, um, objectively that it's like, okay, well, most of these people don't actually have to come in here five days a week. They can just come in two days. But what do you do then? Do you go, all right, Fire we're, them. we're moving the building. <laughs> Pretty much what's happening though, isn't it? We're cutting... <clears throat> Well, they, the those big companies it's do that sort of thing. I feel like yeah, it's the companies it. on either end that, that well, move. You've got the little ones like us who can just flick a switch and change. And those huge ones, they have the, the, the money to think about it and time to think about it. And then they just go, we're going to save money over five years if we spend a billion dollars doing it now. Mm. And I think they will do shit like that for yeah. sure. I mean, you can see how quickly their apps change and their services change and branding changes. Yeah, like you know, dollars always a make things the big move. Mo- the biggest motivator. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so if they're more productive, it doesn't make much sense to just keep a building. Go back to the old oh, ways. Oh, we've got a building, so we'll, we'll rent it out to Jungle Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah, your you, your points are exactly spot on. But I feel I don't know. I feel like there's less nimble, even though they have the ability in a way to be more nimble or agile. They're often not. Because you because you kind of build up all these different layers of command, and it just gets harder to make big decisions like that fast. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel in, in government systems and more bureaucratic systems that, that could be an issue. So right. I've, I've had some changes in military, the military space where I'm allowed to sometimes. Well, I can, I can do my consultations via phone or Skype or um, they've set up a special um, because it's, it's more secure. It's actually called COVID, the app I'm allowed to use. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Yeah, but I'm not sure if they'll continue with that because they really believe in the face-to-face interaction. But I don't know that it's always necessarily what's best sometimes for the client. So why can't I be, to me, it would increase services for that when they're deployed, I could be... Yeah, you could be in Iraq on. without going over there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah services but definitely... I don't feel they're an organisation that's as open to those things. But well, there was... there was conservative though, isn't it? The yeah, army, the military. Mm. Mm. I was going to yes, say sir. that there is some... <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, a... Like technology <laughs> has been... <laughs> sorry, Paul. <laughs> sorry, that's right. Um, technology was, has been evolving for a long time anyway. And mm. I thought that there was lots of businesses that were looking to cash in on remote everything. Mm. There's already people that do remote learning. Uh, the rural people, you know, the government is funding uh, uh, before COVID... Uh, consultations with GPs uh, remotely and stuff like that as well. Mm. So it's just like Hopefully we're already heading that. in that direction. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe it's not going to work for everyone, but um, just yeah, accelerating. It's just it. accelerating it all. Yeah. Well, but a lot of the online um, telehealth sessions are only for the COVID period, but hopefully yep. they they don't have these conditions around it because I don't see why it's necessary. We yep. have, we have to see people face to face yes but, and if it uh, makes it more accessible it 
I guess everything that's sense, relative yeah. to health over COVID is relative to health outside of this lockdown yeah. anyway, isn't it, really? I mean, all the stuff you're talking about, routine, um, finding, you know, something new, facing your emotions and, uh, you know, keeping fit and healthy, eating well, all this, all this stuff should be perpetual. It's not something that you should just implement over the time of a, of a, um, you know, a, fucking, uh, a, a global pandemic. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Of course. So the the services that provide for 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 this for for us to be working in that place of health that they should con- con- continue to exist and the money should be going <coughs> into those areas anyway. If you want a healthy, productive society, at the end of the day, really, isn't it? But that's about budget, isn't it? Of, of it's a whole nother subject. And job yes. budget, that's jobs, a whole other and votes. So coming out of COVID. We're coming out of COVID. It's going to be another big change. Like, coming gym doors open. Let's say I'm a bit more susceptible to to these changes in my environment. What are the things that I can do that to arm myself with keeping a level head with this next tra- transition? We talked about nutrition, reaching out to friends and family, positive influences in our lives. Yeah, I think the, the primary thing is just to be kind to yourself if you're noticing that you're struggling and you're noticing this. How do you, what, how do you, what's, give me an example people, of that. I think people get, oh, I didn't, you know, like I didn't do anything this week. I, mean, I didn't have any structure this week. I, I felt really down this week. I lost my, I lost my temper at my kids several times this week. And it's like, that's just human. That's what we all do. And it's only a week of our lives. You know, just just notice it, be aware of it, be aware that change, and and you may be one of those people that struggles with change more than others, and that's fine. You just be more aware of that, and you be even kinder to yourself that that that's happening for you, and you take more time for yourself to to maybe so maybe you're someone that needs to spend more in, in of that introspective time with with journaling or meditating or being creative or exploring those emotions or. or where they've come from and what that means because when we have these really, really strong emotional responses, rarely is it just about the situation at hand. It's, it's got a bit more to it. And so that just means you need to spend a bit more time processing it and, and doing that hopefully in healthy ways. And even if you don't for a bit, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, so if, so the, if your beer consumption increases over that transition, don't beat just, yourself up over just it. Just go, uh, you know... That's that's what I tend to do to cope. Just swap it, those beers for protein shakes. <laughs> mm. And and maybe I need to enlist it, talk to people about it, acknowledge it's happening, enlist some more social supports. Um, what if nothing? What, what if no, none of that's working for you? Where you, where would you? You'd reach out to someone like yourself, or definitely, yeah, yeah. because because like, it, it's obviously going in a direction that's going to if it if it keeps going in a negative direction or you're noticing your reliance on those unhealthy behaviours to, to cope's continuing, then you really need to, probably need some professional help to professional help to get out of that cycle because it only keeps going in one direction often. In, in terms of journaling, um, someone hears that and thinks, okay, I want to give that a go. That sounds cool. I've not really put pen to paper before. What should, how would they do it? Practically, what, what would you have them write about? How long would they spend doing it? How often? I think that varies on um, on the individual, um, and that might be that you you write um, cr- creatively. 
even. I just think it's one of those introspective tools that's good. But in terms of uh, processing your own emotions, write about what you're feeling. Write about patterns you're noticing, whether you've, you've experienced that previously in your life, what's happening around you at the time. So you get, you get greater emotional awareness. You get greater insight into that we all have fairly, we all have patterns of behaviour and thoughts and, and feelings often, but we're, we're often not very aware of those. And when you have greater insight and awareness, it's much easier to shift them into a more healthy way of coping and processing with them. That's so, cool. So sit down, write down, <clears throat> review your patterns, but would you, you know, starting, to, starting for someone, how long does that process take? And what, and I'm guessing it's something that takes a bit of practice to get good at? Yeah, some, some people I'm, I work with are really have, really have tr trouble identifying how they feel. Um, and they might come in because they've got a lot of physical complaints, for instance, or they've just got this really, it's become so unbearable, they, they, they can't breathe or they feel like they're, got, um, they're having a heart attack. Or, so they're often referred via medical pathways sometimes and they have a lot of trouble even identifying how they feel. So that's an exercise I might get them to use where I'm just, even if you can tell me what physical sensations you're noticing and sit with that for a bit and just try and give it an emotional label. And, and so they might only spend five, ten minutes doing that because that's actually, to them, a really unusual and uncomfortable space. It's like, almost be like learning a new language, wouldn't it? Like a, an emotional li literacy. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, mm. emotional literacy. Mm, it's so you, cool. can, you guys can use that so in, yeah, the, like in that. the psychological uh, <laughs> So if T was going to sit down, you might write something like, <laughs> I feel good. have a bad time being on time for things. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm <laughs> a latecomer. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really, um, I'm, I'm happy with that and I can accept it. <laughs> He's been not beating himself up for a long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to beat myself up. <laughs> That's cool. So it doesn't really matter. Well, it's going to be different what the actual exercise is, but it's kind of like the time spent sitting there and th trying to dial in and, and feel whatever you're feeling and try, and try and spend some time just thinking about that. Is that the idea? Yeah, well, some people might be able to do that for hours, others only maybe five minutes. Yep. Even if you just dot down a few lines, it's, you, you increase that tolerance a bit like you might with exercise, right? Yep. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I think I would struggle with that would process. You? Yeah. Yeah, I've mm. never, I've, I've done a bit of journaling and I've, I write shit down, but I've never written down how I feel ever that I re remember. Mm. It's, it's interesting never sometimes because you can get some people that seem quite extroverted or For would sure. seem to have good interpersonal skills, but they mm. really avoid speaking yeah, about I've, how they feel. I've never written that down. I, 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 I can talk about, I guess. You guys journal. Do you write down how you feel in the journal? Not really. No, I don't really go in. I don't go in that deep. My journaling's kind of more of, more of a planner, right? You know. I I did when I first started because I I did start journaling because I I needed to, you know, sort some shit out. So when I when I first started, I'd write all that shit, and there was no real. I'd write half a page or a full page, and it was just part of it's a creative writing experience as well. Hmm. Like you said, like I I didn't. I didn't feel like I needed a format or anything like that, although mm. I was given guidance. 
Was it like experiences, like things that had happened that triggered, triggered your emotion or were you just writing down how you actually felt? Was there like a, a route to the feeling or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I probably, like how did it all happen? Yeah, like, yeah, oh, well, I were was you talking about the cause of the way you were feeling or was it just no, it was the feelings more like, themselves? No, it was more immediate. It was just more just immediate the in the present. Themselves. Yeah, or anything the day before and the day after because right. when you do it, you're doing it every day. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you start, you might be talking about something more broader, but then it just becomes a, how you're feeling at that time. So what did you do with the information? Do you, are you supposed to read it back and, and review or is it just you'd write it and then that's and you walk just away? In a, yeah, it's just in a book somewhere. I mean, you might flick back over it. I mean, uh, what I was going to say was uh, what I did then was, is different to what I do now and it, it might always change depending on what I feel I need to do with it. Um, at that time, yeah, it was just write whatever. It's just in a page. And then over time, it, it turned into a bit of a, a mantra or something. There was a couple of lines where I like to repeat to reinforce some ideas that I had kind of defined over, over weeks and months going, oh, I like that. I like hearing that every day. So then I put that in too. So then I might look back at that and repeat it. But I like a little it, trigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. A little reminder type thing. But it's and it also now. goes hand in hand with um, routine as well. Yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah. I like that it's daily. Yeah. I think that's for all of these habits. It's it's good to try for daily and yeah, 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 and have it and do it at a certain time of day, rather than wait for something to happen to trigger that behaviour. Yeah, right. When we're trying to introduce new behaviours, it's really important to make it part of your routine Small because they're just often. not they're just they're just not going to happen otherwise. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, and link it with something like okay, I'll journal when I have my morning coffee. Yes. Or yeah. I'll, I'll do that just before bed or so link it with part of your routine already. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's more of a daily. It, it feels like more of a planner sometimes now. It's not like as deeply emotional as it was when it started type thing. But with this podcast, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I might, I might have a crack going back there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like it helped you get through anything in particular or? I was a long time. It was years ago, but definitely yeah, it was a huge part. And I remember finishing my first full book and it, you know, I had like a freaking moleskin or whatever and it took like maybe two years to actually fill the whole thing. And I, I went back and it was Drew and I, I messaged him because I, I had written a note at the, at the back of my journal to say, hey, um, make sure you let Drew know when you finish your first book. And um, yeah, I, I did that. And I've, I've since texted him a few times when I know that journaling has helped me and I'm like, just letting you know, you're the one who fucking started this. <laughs> yeah, it's been really helpful. Uh, yeah, it really helpful. actually, exercising a different part of your brain. So when you actually physically write something, so I think um, some people, are, because it's easier, I get them to put things in their phone just if they're, they're a little bit more resistant to the idea. But I think there's just, there's certainly something different about and that's been shown by research is that when you actually physically write something, it uses a different part of your brain. It conceptualises it differently. You process it differently. You slow down the thinking. But you're just giving yourself that time. It's like a kind of, you know, we hear a lot of uh, self-love and it's like, well, how do we self-love? It's just by giving ourselves that time and attention. And we really, we spend very little time on our emotional health. Yeah, I remember yeah. you telling me to do that. Mm. A long time ago, like when we first started and we were giving each other tasks and I was just dropping them into my phone and you said you need to get a diary and write it down because I wasn't actually getting any of my tasks done. Yeah. And when I started doing that, I actually, yeah, I started 
doing the task. Which and was you, interesting, you know. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it when you told me, like, oh, fucking hell, this guy. <laughs> 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 All right. So I start writing it down and then I'm like, holy shit, I'm actually doing these things. It's great. Yeah, I, what, it's true. I pen, what it pen to paper is pen powerful. Pen to paper, yeah, totally. Yeah, I want that, that study so I can carry it with me and I can tell people. Because it's so true, you know. Mm. I so mean, what, one of them, I think, is just having that, like, a centralised place where things, where thoughts and plans and stuff go, which is a notebook. But you put something on a phone or a computer, it can go to any one of hundreds of different places. Mm. And so you don't... The, the recourse to to actually look at that thing or refer to it, it's, it's actually very unlikely that you will refer to it. Mm. Whereas if you have the one thing, like a journal that you look at every day, like you're forced to go back to it. So I find that... Yeah, I f- I've always found the, the pen to paper thing really powerful. There's even... It's, it's more of a psychodynamic exercise where they'll, get, they'll do things like we, we look at our formative trauma and that usually being embedded in our attachments when we're younger... And so we write uh, because we might have not have had nurturing attachments when we're younger and probably won't necessarily have them in our immediate family. We try to become that nurturer for ourselves. And so they write, they write a letter to self in, I can't remember, write a letter as a child in left hand and one in the right hand. Mm. And so there's a highly personal aspect to it in terms of it representing different so it's like a healing process where you're talking to that inner child, and oh, yeah, there's so a lot writing of writing a letter to to yourself yeah. and to different. And then you're tr- you're trying to address the trauma as yourself, as as oh, like your. Wow. Yeah, it's that sounds very confronting, to me. It not that I've had a troubled childhood. <laughs> <laughs> that was convincing. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, Tiara. <laughs> <laughs> but what what but what, what if your personal. left hand looks the same as your right hand writing? <laughs> which I also have a problem with. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to decipher which one's the child and which one's the adult. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure we've looked into that. <laughs> hey, t- let's get to a ten pack with Anna. After Could be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> ten pack. Yeah. Hey, um, it, I thought, um. Yeah. <laughs> That's three phone rings we've had oh from the crew. That's a, we had we had a question come through from the tribe, um, but you kind of already covered it, which was really uh, someone mentioning that they were feeling a bit anxious about this whole lockdown thing initially. Now they're feeling pretty good about it. They've found that mindfulness and daily routines have helped them just sort of, you know, um, get on with everything and, and settle. But now that, that things are changing again, mm. they're starting to feel a little bit anxious once more. Mm. Um, and I think it's, and particularly in regards to knowing that the virus is still out there somewhere. You know, further to, I mean, we've obviously that's kind of been the basis of what we've been talking about. Is there, in closing, is there anything you, you wanted to add to that in response or, you know? I, I guess, again, just acknowledging that that's pretty normal. And, and if they gradually work into, if, we, if we're gradually working in that area of discomfort, that's actually our optimal health. So to, feeling happy all the time or content or calm all the time isn't normal. And we actually don't like that. We like to be challenged. And I guess if they're just... Just be kind, gentle with self. Keep up the mindfulness practices. It's great they're in, that they've got that in routine. Hopefully they can continue with that. Um, but they'll probably find they adjust. Because, of course, it's scary if you're, and, and your brain's making all these subconscious associations and you get all this media... In, um, 
not uh, attention to something that I think really exacerbates the risk and the danger. Mm. I actually find looking at data really helpful. <laughs> so not necessarily media, but actually looking at the science behind it. And the risk isn't that high. I understand why. Of contracting the Yeah, the I understand why the government's putting all these measures in place, but it, it, all, it makes the risk seem much higher mm. than it actually is. So if you can tell yourself that, if you actually look at what the actual risk is... That you face you, a lot of other bigger risks every day. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, we, and we make those risks every day. Getting in our car is a much bigger risk. And, and that's the logical part. Of course, the emotional part is highly agitated because our world's changed considerably and will be changing again. And of course, that will make you more anxious, but you will adjust. So you just have to push into that discomfort a little, acknowledge that it's normal. And if we observe our emotions more, and that's what you do when you're journaling, it's like you're putting it on the page, mm. you're seeing it. That's what you do when you meditate. It's not like a, let's get rid of this emotion. It's just observing that anxiety, that agitation, being a bit curious about it, knowing that's a normal, and that sometimes it's actually healthy. So it's where, and our brains are designed to protect us. So of course, their brain is getting fearful and anxious about what's out there and it's trying to protect them. But is it, is it really? And it's also re reacting to the fact that everybody around us is agitated and anxious and fearful. But if you can just have awareness of that and actually know that the risk of you doing, you know, and, and taking calculated risks, the risk of you doing that is maybe one in, four million or something, um, as mm. opposed to the risk of getting in the car, which is, I think, I don't know, much higher, um, then, then hopefully you can feel a bit more confident about it. Where can, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, is there a place, a central place you can send them to? I'm, I'm mostly, I don't really advertise, so I, I know you've got my number. Yeah, cool. <laughs> just, just Google me. Yeah. I've, I've got a contact number there but yeah I don't really have a lot of advertisements or anything out there and it's cool just, like to yeah. keep it that way yeah I guess you're busy enough as it is yeah <laughs> yeah I haven't put a lot of thought into marketing cool mm. it must be a nice place to live <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say that because I my head's in marketing 24 yeah um and uh, thanks for coming on the show today pleasure we appreciate thanks you making enough. the time and um yeah, it's a, you're, a, you're, a, you're doing a, a good thing for people out there and we appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks, fellas. Um, thanks for listening, guys. That was episode 62 of the JB Podcast. Uh, if you liked that episode and you feel like it was beneficial, take a screenshot of it, post it on your Instagram stories, tag us. Just do something to help spread the word because that helps support the show. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at junglebrothers.com or on Instagram at junglebrothersmovement.com. Um, hopefully Jim's going to be open in a couple of months maybe sooner maybe later who knows but we'll be ready for it and if you want to talk about uh, you being ready for it too definitely reach out and we've got all different ways that we can help you so thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week peace <laughs>